0: I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Now our feet are standing within the gates of Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is at unity with itself. To which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, the assembly of Israel, to praise the name of the Lord. For there are the thrones of judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Peace be within your walls, and quietness within your towers. For my brethren and companions' sake, I pray for your prosperity. Because of the house of the Lord, O our God, I will seek to do you good.
1: according to Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Christ. On the Mount of Olives, Jesus said to his disciples privately about his coming. But about that day and hour, no one knows, neither the angels of heaven nor the Son, but only the Father. For as the days of Noah were, so so will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as those days before the flood they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage... Until the day Noah entered the ark, and they knew nothing until the flood came and swept them all away. So too will be the coming of the Son of Man. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding meal together, one will be taken and one will be left. Keep awake, therefore, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But understand this if the owner of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, He would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an unexpected hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise you, Lord Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. So today we're going to do a book study on the Left Behind series, right? So the first lesson is anybody who's crossing their leg, don't cross your leg, uncross them, because you don't want to trip if the rapture comes. (laughs) You sure don't want to be left in chapter five. That's not a good chapter. No, I'm just kidding. We're not going to talk about the. Well, how many of us do want to talk about the left behind series? It's easier than this gospel, you know? No, we're not going to do that. You know, Advent's one of those tricky times, uh, and and I invite you actually after this. uh, I really do. All of you, I hope, will come down and Uh, During this Advent season, we're going to be, during the forum, doing different teachings. And this Sunday, it's on the season of Advent. And Andrew's going to lead our our teaching and conversation. So hopefully, you'll join us down there. Uh, But a little, my little summation of Advent, especially this particular first Sunday, is this the intersection of our hopeful expectation for Christmas, where we remember the birth of the babe Jesus? And then we also stand here at the threshold of looking at the second coming, When Jesus is going to come again. And that is right where Matthew thrust us this this morning. He thrust us into that idea of the second coming. When is that going to happen? So many of us, well I won't say so many of us, I'm not going to make you raise your hand, but some of us might be concerned with when that's going to happen. Some of us (laughs) in our life maybe have wondered, was it supposed to happen before? Look at all these terrible things that are going on. Is God not coming? and sometimes we get a little bit overly obsessed with that. And that's part of what advent does is it kind of points us into this place where we we look we look to christmas. We look to that annual celebration of this great gift of god coming among us, Emmanuel. And yet we also look with hopeful expectation for what is coming what we say in our Nicene Creed, what we'll say in just a few minutes, that coming again. Now, what's interesting about our gospel lesson today is Jesus really doesn't comfort the little disciples and us. I shouldn't call them little disciples. They were definitely big people uh, in the the stalwarts of the faith. But you can imagine when when Jesus looks at you and says, I don't know when it's going to happen. The angels don't know when it's going to happen. That guy doesn't know when it's going to happen. Only God knows. On the one hand, that might seem comforting, but we can imagine for the disciples, that's probably a little bit scary because the person standing in front of them is supposed to be the one who has all the answers, who has it all figured out. And he's telling his followers and those who are listening, I don't know what hour that's going to happen. I just don't know and yet he connects it to everyday life. And that's so important in this passage. When we, the fancy word for talking about the, uh, the end times is eschatology. Eschatological thinking. When we think about what we might call apocalyptic. The end of the world. The coming of the reign of God again. And what Jesus does though is he transitions. He pivots from this telling them basically to live in this place of unknowing. And he pivots and says, just like in the days of Noah, everyday life is going to be happening. That some will be be out in the field, some will be grinding meals, some will be tending to this and tending to that. And we can imagine the list beyond what Jesus says of what everyday life in the first century world looked like. And it's in that place that Jesus plants this reality that God's coming. That God's coming into the ordinary, God's coming into the everyday at some unexpected hour. In the future. And that's kind of a powerful image because that's really what Christmas is. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus coming at an unexpected time in the form of a babe in a way we least expect it. Not as this mighty warrior all full of armor, but as a babe, a vulnerable child, something that everybody in this room has been at one point or another, whether you remember it or not. We all were a babe at one time, and in that time in our life, we depended upon those around us to care for us and to to tend to our needs. And that is exactly where God comes among us, in the everyday, in in a way that we all can expect. The same is true when Jesus connects the second coming, saying the angels don't know, only God knows, but yet it will be in the everyday life. So all of a sudden, we're sitting here wondering... What does it mean to be a faithful people? Right? For so long in the life of the church, oftentimes we call the saints. We assume. Not all of us do this, but a lot of us assume the great saints of the church or, or even those faithful people in our lives. Those people we say that we look at, maybe it's a family member, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's somebody we've read about in a book that we deem super faithful. We assume they have it all put together they're the people we would go to for the answers because they know all the answers. They're so grounded that they know it all. And yet, when you peel those lives back, when you read those journals of those saints, when you, when you look at what was going on in their world, they're so quick to say, I, I, don't, I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. I don't know why these things are happening. I don't know what's going on. But I do know And I am sure of the hope found in God. That is usually the thing that unifies all the saints of the church. Is somewhere in their life they all point back to God. In their place of unknowing, of uncertainty, of doubting. Of not having all the answers they point to God. Because they know God is coming among them in the ordinary. And in the ordinary God does extraordinary. And that's the world in which we live. That's the world in which we operate. So in some ways, this first Sunday of Advent may not be what we expect in this time of year when we're all probably looking at our calendars, trying to figure out how we're going to squeeze one more Christmas party and one more school production, one more this, one more that, because we only have, in case you were wondering, 23 days because you gave half your day up to be here. So you're in trouble. You're already working from a deficit. But that's part of what we live in, right? I mean, if we're honest, Christmas started creeping in around Halloween. I mean, I think I was looking for, you know, someone came up to me on Halloween when I was dressed like a clergy and said, that's the best costume I've ever seen. And the backdrop of our conversation was all this Christmas stuff. And that just cracked me up because what an image, right? And that's the world. The world is... Doesn't really understand Advent. It doesn't really understand this season of preparation or the need to do it. It understands Christmas to some degree. I mean, we have a job to tell that story, but we'll get there. What I would like you to imagine today, and I don't know how many of you have ever gotten up really early in the morning and looked at the sky. Ever since I moved to Texas, when I used to live in Temple, we lived in, the, in, the, in a part where you didn't have a lot of ambient light, so you could really see the sky. And I'd go for a run in the morning. And what you would see right before those pinks and, and reds on the sky, on the horizon, you would see this royal blue. And you knew that something powerful was coming behind that royal blue. You didn't understand why it was going to happen the way it was going to happen. You didn't understand how it was going to happen, what what the colors were going to be, what the explosion of light was going to look like that particular day. Because I don't know about you, I've never seen two similar sunrises in my life. They're all a little different. So you never knew what God was going to paint on that horizon, but you knew with certainty that it was coming. You didn't know how. You didn't know what it was going to look like. You didn't know what it was even going to mean for your day that early in the morning. But you knew it was coming. And this is where we live in Advent. We are staring at the horizon. We are seeing that deep royal blue. And we know light is coming into the darkness. And it's coming anew. And it's coming with power and great glory. And it is coming to fill our lives with hope and life, but we can't forget in the season of Advent that that light and life comes into the ordinary. That everything we do between Sundays, as I like to say, is for the kingdom of God. And the season of Advent allows us to prepare anew to survey what we do in life. What are those things that we do at our work? What are those things we do at school? who needs a little love and forgiveness what relationships need some reconciliation and this is what we continue to do even in the season of advent we don't do like the thessalonians like the, I'm going to call out the thessalonians right I'm going to call them out paul's writing to them and they're sitting on their rear ends because they think the second coming's happening and they don't assume they need to do anything because Jesus is coming again, so if Jesus is coming again, why don't I just park it right here under this beautiful tree and rest up for what may be next? And, of course, Paul says that's not what we do. We've got to continue to take care of the poor and the widows. We've got to clothe the children. We've got to feed the hungry. And this is what Paul goes on and on again in Thessalonians. And, of course, they eventually start moving to do that. They realize that maybe they missed the point a little bit. They stopped staring at the royal blue as they continued their day-to-day life. And they got up and started to live into what that blue, that, that, that light that's just getting ready to come, what it means in their lives. They started to act. And that's what we're called to do in Advent. We prepare for Jesus. We live with hope for the second coming when we live for God. When we choose to wake up each and every day, survey Jesus the events on our calendar, survey what's going on in our lives and say today I'm going to try to bring God to every single thing I'm doing. Even if it's hard. And that's what Advent's all about. It's refocusing where we are, refocusing our lives, taking a step back from distractions and doubling down on our commitment to who God is in our lives. And those places where we need some work, we do the work. We build We build God in. We invite God in anew. We strengthen that part. We reconcile. We forgive. We love. We hope. And we share the good news of God. This is what Advent's all about. It's not one of those seasons where we just sit down and wait. It's one of those seasons where we say to the world, we know what's coming. Do you? Do you know what this means for you? For your life, let me show you what God's love looks like. That's what we do in Advent. That's what it means to stand and live in the everyday, as Jesus points out, that God's going to come among us. And the best way to be ready is to live. To not live for ourselves, but to live for God. A God who's going to come among us, walk with us, feel what we feel, know what we know, and teach us how to love in a way we never thought was possible. That's where we stand, and that's where we go. Amen.
0: Please stand and join me in saying the Nicene Creed, found on page 10 of your bulletin. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. The prayers of the people will be guided from Form 4, found on page 11 of your bulletin. Let us pray for the church and for the world. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in your truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Give grace to all bishops and other ministers, especially our presiding Bishop Michael, our bishops Andy, Kay, Jeff, and Hector, and our priests, Justin and Andrew. Bless local Christian communities, especially Calvary Episcopal Church, University